3: Hi, this is Tony Cotty, and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. You are listening to the We Are West End podcast, and I bet you weren't expecting to to hear my voice this week. Uh, Will Pugh's got a week off. Um, We've let (laughs) him have a week off. Uh, His excuse, well, we won't go into too many details, but he does have a job interview tomorrow. Uh, on Wednesday, so you know, fair play wants to use tonight to to kind of to kind of brush up on his uh, on his interviewing skills. He hasn't had one in a while, so I'm, I'm sure everyone will join us in, in wishing Will luck for his interview on Wednesday. But I'm still here. Tom's still with me. I uh, got a packed show today. Um, not a lot happened over the last couple of couple of well, the last week really with international duty. But um, still, West Ham players smashing it on international duty. We'll, we'll get onto that. Um, Tom, how are you, mate?
1: All good, mate. I, better off without Will, aren't we? Maybe maybe not too many scuffles this week about Ben Rama and him trying to chime in. So, yeah, <laughs> happy days. A week break from him. Can't complain, mate. And uh, like you say, England only win the World Cup when we've got uh, English players doing well. So, fingers crossed, Rice and Lingard is uh, a mirror for things, th- things to come in the future, mate. Because, yeah, it's not been a bad week considering it is an international break.
3: Yeah, exactly, mate. Yeah, we'll get on to the international... Like, well, Deccan Rice and Lingard smashing it, Suchek smashing it for Czech Republic. We'll get onto that, but first, uh, I'll, I'll have a go at their housekeeping. Uh, I think the last time we asked me to do this, I, I messed it up. Yeah, it's horribly. a long one. Um, it is a long one, but you know, as everyone knows by now, you know we are on Twitter. You can follow us over there at We Are Underscore West Ham. Um, we've gone big on YouTube over the last few months, um, so you know you can go over there and, and watch the show rather than listen to it on on all the podcast platforms that we're on, um, go over there, search We Are West Ham on YouTube, and, and you can find us pretty easily. And we put all the sections up there as, as mini videos, uh, as well as a lot of our exclusive uh, exclusive interviews of ex-players as well. So make sure you go and check that out. Uh, we are on Instagram. Don't use it as much as we probably should do, but you know, go over to Instagram. Again, We Are West Ham over there. And something that we mentioned last week, um, you can – Buy us a beer now. You can donate to the podcast. um You know, we're not changing the the content delivery. We're not going to start charging people for certain bits of content. No, you know, that's, that's nothing against those that do in our space. Some West Ham podcasts and, and YouTube channels and, and, and other club ones. But you know, we have had quite a lot of people say over the last few months. You know, how can they donate? How can they sort of help out with the podcast? Because a lot of work does go into it behind the scenes. Uh, so last week we'll set up a coffee.com forward slash we are West Ham link where listeners can, if they want, you know, no pressure. If you can't, absolutely fine. But if you know, if you do fancy it, then it will be very much appreciated. Go on there and you know, you can donate uh, as many pints as you like. The, the price of the pint is five pound a pint, uh, London prices or London stadium prices. Um, it Actually, I think it's actually cheaper than a London, London stadium pint. Um, so even better, but just about, um, just about yeah, maybe by the odd 10 or 20 P, but yeah, you know, no pressure on that front we're not changing anything it's just you know if you do want to donate and show your appreciation for the hard work that you know will myself and, and tom put in every week then you know it'd be most welcome um coming up this week on on this show uh obviously it's been in this astral break we've already touched on it briefly Deccan rice uh, jesse lingard smashing it for england thomas Suchek and, and sue Fow. uh Suchek in particular smashing it with czech republic um so we'll be talking about that A little bit of transfer talk sort of coming out now. We're getting to that stage of the year, aren't we, where there's a few transfer talk and Aaron Ramsey's doing the rounds, uh, which isn't really a surprise, but slightly worrying um, from my point of view. I don't know what Tom thinks about that. We'll get on to that. We've got Matt from the Wolves Wolves fan cast to talk about the Wolves game coming up on Monday. Uh, We've got Catherine Batt, sports journalist of the Daily Mail, uh, to talk to us about West Ham women. It's getting a little bit precarious over there. Another defeat this weekend, but a little bit history made as well from the women's women's game. Um and no name no no name that game this week. Um obviously we Will not here. We're gonna have a week off. Uh, I'm gutted about that, because this was my opportunity. Will would have been Quizmaster. This is my opportunity to claw back some points. Um so I'm a little bit gutted about that. Um and then we'll we've got the Betway bets as well. Don't forget uh, obviously, no bets last week because West are didn't play, but you know we, we've we've put in some selections for the Wolves game on Wednesday, uh, on Monday, and um, I think it's fair to say that Will's bottled it a little bit. I don't know, Tom, I don't know whether you've yeah. seen the exchanges on WhatsApp, but he he's, re- he's really gone a little bit too easy this time. I think he's bottled it a little bit, but we'll get onto that as well. But that's pretty much the show. We'll wrap up at the end. Uh, obviously, no uh, fancy football to talk about either, so... Um, we're going to try and pack the show out as, much, as best we can. Obviously, without any football, it's quite difficult. But, you know, we've there are some talking points to talk about and obviously the Wolves game to look ahead to. But let's start with the international break, Tom. You know, mentioned Declan Rice. He got um, man of the match against Albania. Uh, and Jesse Lingard had about a million shots on goal against San Marino and still couldn't find the back of it. But he also got man of the match. So that's two West Ham players and man of the match on international duty. Um, and then obviously, Suchet with his hat-trick against Estonia and the 6-2 win. Uh, firstly, what are your thoughts on on Jesse Lingard's sort of re, you know, reintroduction to international football?
1: Yeah, I think we, we touched on it last week. I'm, I'm very, very happy to see him there. I mean, I think it's come quicker than most West Ham fans, even the biggest optimists may have thought. But to see him out there and to see him control it and, and to see him add to England's side, what he did to us. I know it's it's not the best opposition in the world and, and you don't really want to judge a, a player of his ilk on games like that but at the same time to go out there make a difference and, and show to Southgate that he still has something to offer and that he still has that confidence which I think a lot of English players lack which is to make that difference in a final third have that presence of mind or I know he had 10 shots and I know that keeper turned into some kind of Czech region during some of the times when Lingard got on the ball but it's a shame he didn't get that goal but To see two West Ham players on the pitch at the same time, I know it didn't happen to the second game, but it's pretty good stuff. And I'm just really happy for him because I I know he's gone through a lot off the pitch and I feel like we have really resurrected his career. And I think him playing for England whilst he's playing for us can only do our chances of signing him in the summer a world of good. So as long as that happens, then long may it continue. Praying he stays fit though. That's the only part I'd add to that. As long as he stays fit, good news.
3: Yeah, no, I agree. I think you know, particularly in the San Marino game, like he was, he was like a man possessed, wasn't he on the pitch? And he yeah. was so desperate to get on the score sheet, and he was, he was so unlucky that you're right. The keeper pulled off a couple of worldies, probably the best saves he will ever make. Um, the San Marino <laughs> keeper, the only blessing. saves he's ever make. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but the, the fitness is a big thing. See, I was, I was a little bit concerned, obviously, given the, the pace at which he was playing against the the, the opposition. Mm. Probably didn't need to go that hard. But you know, it showed the hunger in him. But uh, do, do you think he's doing enough already to to put himself on the plane? You know, I mean, there are still a number of midfield options available. Do you think? You, do you think he'll end up on the plane?
1: I think, I think Southgate. We've seen through the years is a pretty pragmatic manager, and I think that he he has his core group of players he tends to trust, and I think Lingard falls into that bracket. I mean, don't get me wrong, we've got Foden Grealish, Madison, all superb, but zero tournament experience zero experience of doing it for england ever really so i think he's in a good position if he carries this form on for the rest of the season and even slightly worse than this because he's been lightning form even if he just keeps chipping away with a few more goals keeps contributing to west ham side he potentially finishes in the top six i think he'll go purely because the fact he was one of the key men when we got to the semi-final in 2018 and he just seems to offer a lot and seems to have that confidence of big games and he's been around it, played Champions League. He's 28 now. I think he seems to be one of the most likely people in the sport um, in a country. So I think that there's a good chance for what he brings on and off the pitch that he will go. I just really hope that he keeps his fitness and he keeps his level of form or at least close enough to it to get on the plane. But I do ultimately think he will go. I think there's too many risks for Southgate outside of him. And I think if he can have a banker like him to bring and he knows... Is ready for that stage, and I think he'll absolutely do it. And I think it's been a bit of a blessing in disguise for Southgate his return to form because of what that gives him, and, and being able to bring another experienced player in the front six is is huge for him and huge for the country. So I do ultimately think he'll go. Yeah, no, I agree.
3: I think you're right on the fact that it's it's his international is international tournament experience that will probably work in his favour. Yeah. Like one of the best players, bringing at the World Cup a couple of years ago, and. Um, Southgate's going to be leaning on those sort of personalities with those that sort of experience um, I think the bookies have got England down as favourites um, which yeah. is, meant, is mental really isn't it but, it's uh, heavy yeah, yeah but I mean like if if you know, we're going to live up to that favourite tag then um, and at least put on a, a similar run that we did at the World Cup a couple of years ago then mm-hmm. I think someone like Southgate could do worse than have someone like Linkard in the team just purely for even if he's not a starter every week you know that, that experience of being mm-hmm. In and amongst it at a tournament, but Deccan Rice going to go and he it'll be on the plate. Yeah. Um, I mean, I yeah. only saw bit, I only saw bits of the um, the Albania game. I was working, but I it on in the background. But it just seemed like a, a just a, a straightforward Deccan Rice. We see it week in, week out type performance. To sort of you know, the midfield, didn't put a foot wrong. Um, so I wasn't surprised really to see him get men of the match.
1: No, 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 no. I, yeah, I completely agree with you. It was it was vintage Declan Rice and Declan Rice in a better side than a West Ham side where he doesn't have to do 80-yard lung-busting runs. He'll win it, do a 10-yard driving run, beat, take two players out of the game and then give a five-yard pass to Raheem Sterling who then goes and does something. And I think you saw it the other day. It's nice to see that, I know it's Albania and I know people will be the first to get on his back the I minute mean, he does do a five-yard bad pass against whoever it is, but... It nice to see his sort of understanding and appreciation of what, what he gave the England side that day because it wasn't like he was doing stuff we've seen him do for West Ham when he does dribble past five, six, seven, eight players, hit the crossbar and do some really stupendous things which you get caught up and you get to YouTube. And it is what he does for the 90 minutes of the day, just that right position, right time. Very, very athletic. I think he's one of the most athletic England players that the country's produced in a long time. Six foot plus, unreal in the air. Brilliant runner. And I think just nice to see him get that recognition when it was an Albania and he didn't score. He didn't get an assist. It wasn't a cheap vote for the man of the match. It was because he ultimately deserved it. And I think you're right. I think he will be first or second name on the team year I think he's pretty much got that role sewn up. I don't know if you've seen it, but the, there's chat about him potentially even being the vice captain I saw from Talk Sport this week between him and Harry yeah. Maguire about maybe heading to the Euros as the vice captain and and I think that's an interesting ploy I can't see many in a squad who who deserve it more than him really
3: we you know after the last time England had a captain uh, yeah, a West exactly. Ham player as captain um, in terms of before we move on to Suchek uh, I, I was quite surprised to see Calvin Phillips start alongside him in midfield mm. uh, obviously there's that debate between West Ham and, and Leeds fans that who, who's the better midfielder um, similar to when Sean Longstaff was breaking in at Newcastle and everyone was like you know who's the best player um what are your thoughts on that? I mean, Calvin Phillips has it has different different traits, but that, that particular the fact that they both started for England against Albania, that debate is is sort of been whipped up again. So what are your thoughts on? Can, can both go to the Euros?
1: Does it work? Yeah, I think I think both can go, but only because of what Rice brings, not because of Phillips, no disrespect. I think Rice is good enough to play in a two and he's good enough to play in a three. I think Phillips needs that protection in front of him. He needs Um, athleticism and potentially more forward-thinking players around him. I think Rice has given him... Rice's ability has allowed probably Phillips to even prosper a bit more because Rice can do everything in the midfield. I know we all see him as a holding midfield in, what, three in 125 games goals-wise. And I think this is something you'll be surprised to see him not add to. In the next few years, I think he'll bring a bit more influence to the game going forward. If we still play that too, that is. Maybe he'll drop deeper and we won't see enough of it. But I just think... What Rice gives next to any midfielder, they give them, they give Southgate the ability or Moyes, whoever it is, the ability to play someone next to him who has completely different traits because Rice does the running for three men. Um, he gets up and down that pitch, and I think there is there, there is room. I think Phillips is good on the ball. I think he's got a good footballing brain, and I think he's got something to offer that England squad who is a bit deprived of uh, central midfielders. So I think I, I think he'll go. But I I think as a pairing, I'm with you, Joe. I think it is a bit weird to play them both together because they are same with the same. And and if you're only going to play two across there, and th- then you're not going to get much out of them. And you're, you're going to look to other players and look to hit people on the counter. And I think you probably lose something when you've got the likes of Grealish, Foden, da, 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 all, all the names we previously mentioned. I think we will miss something if you're going to play both of them. And I don't think it will look good for Rice either if you play both of them the same way Henderson and Rice haven't quite hit the ground running as a pairing yet, I think. We yeah. want the best out of Rice, as does country, and I don't think Phillips will bring that out of him. But I'd be surprised not to see him get, get a shot on the plane, I think, over like a war prowse or someone like that. I think Phillips is preferred by Southgate.
3: Yeah. I mean, it shows the sort of player that Declan Rice is, though, despite all of that, he still came out man of the match. I know it was Albania, but he still yeah. still came out man of the match in that game. But let's move on to Susek. No one is surprised that he's taken his club form into, into the international stage. But hat trick, like and and a perfect hat trick as well, and again the opposition. You know we've said it with England. You know San Marino and Albania, Czech Republic with Estonia, not great, but you can only beat what's in front of you. And for for Suchet to score a perfect hat trick from midfield, that's really elevated his his status on international level, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think just like now he's putting the numbers together for us and Czech Republic. I'm not sure that's the, that hat was amazing and, and deserves all the plaudits, but I'm pretty sure he's chipped in with a few more goals this season for them as well. So I think overall he's sort of a lot of goals in 2020, 2021 season. He's, he must be north of 15 and he's just proving to everyone week in, week out that even me, I, I I should take it back. I remember watching him a few times and I think I even said on the pod that I thought he's a bit, gangly not the best on the ball and had question marks and I just think he's so much more to meets the eye probably more than any player I've ever watched because the amount of times I watch a game and and you take a five five second viewing on someone you see the way they pass the ball and you just think maybe this is the level for him and I think Suchek falls into that he's a weird pass with the ball he doesn't get himself in the most normal positions but unbelievable I just unbelievable I think at any level he plays there'll be a threat I think there's no we've seen Barcelona, Juventus link with him this season. I think as much as it's amazing to see him go and get those hat-tricks, I almost want him to chill out a bit and, and maybe rein it back a bit, particularly on international duty, because I want to keep that, that guy for a long time, just turned 26. He's a bit of a cult figure already, just the way he is as a man. Just everything about him is, is superb, and to see him go and do that, you can't be anything but proud. I mean, just seeing West Ham players succeed at the highest level is... Is, yeah it's gratifying and I'm very very happy for the man because he truly deserves it
3: I completely agree mate and that, that's almost the perfect link going into our transfer chat Um Suchek's form like it's worrying me like it's great to see it like and what like not just because it's a West Ham player doing well on in international duty and he's doing well for the club as well but just because he's such a nice guy that's a like, good bloke. Like I just I just look at his little smile and I just think, oh, I just I just want to be his mate. Like, I just want, to, just want to hug him, mate. I want to give him <laughs> a hug and you know, go out the pub with him and you know, chat about potato salad or something weird yeah. like that, you know. And uh, just to see him do so well and to see him, you know, get the get the hat trick. Um but then at the same time it means that you know there's gonna be clubs circling. I think United have been linked. Um and a few yeah. other big clubs have been linked. Uh some clubs we'll probably look at him as maybe an alternative and a cheaper alternative to Declan Rice potentially. Um you know how important time is it for us to to keep him at least for one more season just to get at least one more season out of him.
1: Yeah, I, I think honestly massive it uh, and uh, because of all the rumors and murmurs coming out that we don't actually have that much money, I think cuz he's not the most fashionable. He's, he, I know he go people give him the praise, but it's almost fake praise or laugh that like like in a, in a sarcastic way like Thomas Suchek done it again the greatest midfield in the world and truly he's a superb player and he and he does a lot and even you saying that then as an alternative to Rice made me really he does play that role as much as he scores yeah. these goals and he's up and down that is his role and he wins the ball back just as much as Rice he gets around the pitch not quite as athletically and quite as quickly but he gets around it just as well covers more ground He's got so much to his game. And I think if we do get Europe this year and we struggle to buy players, um, we can only expect to go backwards. But if we have another year out of Suchek and we get bits and bobs out of players like him, players around him, sorry, in the Sioux fouls and they live up to it, with Suchek there, we can continue to be a European side. I think if we lost him... Um, not only what that would do for Declan Rice's of the world and everyone in that squad looking at that and being totally devastated and think this club doesn't want to go anywhere. They just want to mm-hmm. get by and have the one good year every 10 years. I think I think keeping him is imperative because I can't think of another midfielder in the world. Everyone compares him to Flaney because it's the only people anyone can think of. He was six foot four plus, scores goals, gets around the pitch, bit of a leader and, and sort of has it all as a midfielder. So I think... We couldn't replace him. And I think we've looked 10, 20 years in my lifetime. We've had about three good midfielders and there's Scott Parker and Mark Noble and Declan Rice all sort of homegrown or or bought from someone we all know about. So I think it'd be something the club would probably not repair in time before something unthinkable and and bad happens to us and maybe go to looking not at the top six, but the bottom six again. So I think we've got to keep hold of him, not just because of what he brings, but because of what the message it will send to everyone else in the squad.
3: Again, I agree, mate, but how much do we would would be an acceptable fee for him? I've been thinking about this a lot. Obviously, the Deck and Rice fees get thrown around 60, 70, 80, yeah. 90, 100 million um, yeah. plus. And then you, suddenly you start seeing these suit check rumours flying, but there's been no real sort of transfer fee sort of linked to those rumours. And you wonder, okay, well, what, what what do you think the club sees as a, a fee for that, given that you've only paid 15, mil, 15 million for it? Are they looking at going doubled at tripled at? Is acceptable? And in today's market, I wonder sort of how much is, would be an acceptable fee for Suchet?
1: I reckon, yeah, tough, tough question. Good question. I, I reckon the club will probably we we've dealt with them, we've seen them enough. Probably double. I think you're right with a double going. I think that's what the club will be happy with. I think they'd laugh laugh at it saying we got him for 40 million he's kept us up one season effectively what he brought and and he may have got his Europe. we'll take 40 million and what he gave the club but for me I think I I might obviously be protective and he might no one's worth 60 million nobody in the world should be worth 60 million but I'd say 60 million I'd be able to take it and sort and accept it and accept it because he is but he's 26, he's got a great age, he's only getting better. Yeah. It's only his second year in the in top flight in England. I think the numbers and everything will keep getting better. He only started scoring goals, really, at Slavia Prague last two years he was there. So he's only sort of transformed and morphed into the player he is for three years. So I think he's going to truly get better. But 60 million and, and I'd sort of at least allow, allow their decision-making, because I understand it and we, we are a club who... Players are going to want to go beyond us at some point in their career. We just got to maximise and squeeze out what we can from them. So sixty million and I'd I'd sort of accept it, but I just hope no one comes in with that. And even if they do, I won't want him gone. Don't get it wrong, but I'd at least understand it.
3: I think I think the the hesitancy hesitancy around actually receiving a bid like that is that okay, that's a fair amount fair amount to take for a player like that. I think, where West Ham is concerned, you don't really trust the club to be able to reinvest that properly.
2: Yeah.
3: Like we're probably the the last club on earth that should be getting transfer fees like that because the the money just doesn't. If it doesn't get reinvested or isn't isn't invested or reinvested properly, um, so that's my big worry. Is that okay? Yeah, we might get 50, 60 million quid for him, but they ain't going they, they to find a replacement for him that that does that job. You're not going to find a replacement that does the job as well. But yeah, that I mean, that's my big problem. But another transfer story as well, Jesse Lingard, what, one week it's, yeah, we're going to sign him. You know, the, you know, he wants to stay, the club want him you know, in talks with Man United to, to do a, a cheap deal, I think 15 million quid was on the cards. And then what, a week? seven days later, it's, oh, Man United have done a U-turn, they're going to offer him a new deal it's like, how is this one going to go? And to be honest, if we get into Europe, I think that's, that's got to be priority to get Jesse Lingard in, don't you think?
1: Yeah, I, 100%. I think no matter what happens, and ideally it's Europe, hopefully I, I don't want to envisage a scenario we don't have Europe, but it's a possibility. But whatever happens this season, I think we've got to get him. we got to get him straight away. I mean, he clearly loves it. I feel like he's clearly... He, Guy, we've already mentioned the last few weeks on the pod with him, without him. We're we're a different side. We're not a bad side without him, but we got that little bit of difference which makes us a threat for the other teams. We don't just soak pressure up, hit him on set pieces and counters. With him, we're we're in our own right. We can hurt anyone from any position on the pitch when he gets on the ball. So I think it's imperative we we sort of get that done. And and I don't blame them for whether it's a contract to keep him there to to make clubs like us have to pay upwards of fifteen million. I don't know, but yeah, it's, it's scary stuff because anyone, the way he's played for us, I think anyone in world football would look at him and say, yeah, he'd do all right in our squad. He, he'd be handy for us. So don't blame them doing it. But it's just one of those ones I know is there's complications and I should just be grateful we got him. But I sort of wish we had uh, something in play already where we knew we were going to get him for 8 million in the summer and, and that was brilliant or 15 million, whatever it was just know we're going to get him because you just know the clubs like Everton and all those and, and all the Northern Manchester clubs or whatever it is, they'll all be circling and we'll be back in the queue again. We'll find we'll, we'll have had six great months that we've given him and da, da da but we all know that things like money come into it, where he lives, where his family lives in it. And it will be a factor come the summer. So we just got to sell him and try and finish the season off as best as possible. And if we do get Europe, like you say, I think he'll absolutely want to be there. I think he already does want to be there. It's just a matter of how difficult Ollie and, and United are going to make this whole scenario for us because it will probably rage on all summer, is not it?
3: Yeah, I think I think he's shown a lot on social media and the fact that you know you see him in on like even the club social media when they're you know doing videos of him or pictures of him training and stuff like that. That he's he's just loving life in London, you know. And you know what sold it for me was when he put that picture of him and his daughter both wearing West Ham kits at home. Like totally. on a Sunday, it's like a Sunday afternoon, and like I got Lingard on the back and stuff like that. And I thought you don't do that if you're not having fun and you're not you're not settled, you're not enjoying yourself. Um, so I think that could be a bit of a bargaining chip. You know, you won't want to unless you mm. promised, you know, regular first team football, which Oli isn't going to give him at United, not with Bruno Fernandes there and and the rest of it. So he must be, surely he must be thinking. I rather than have to uproot and move again, if I'm gonna move clubs this summer, then London's the place for me. I've got, I'm settled here. I've been here six, seven months. Um yeah. I'd rather stay here. Like it just it, it makes sense, but see, football and West Ham rarely make sense today. So I think that's gonna yeah. be a bit of a roller coaster that one. But the last one I've got here is, is Aaron Ramsey. I'm not surprised in the slightest that we've been in with him. Um but it does surprise me that we're we're allegedly leading the race for him. He's 30 years old. He's on four underground a week at Juve. Uh he's, he's doing well for Juve as well. He's had a couple of good seasons for him. Um but apparently we're we're leading the race for him and you know we're it looks like we might get him on a cheat. But it, it it doesn't really fall under David Moyes' new transfer strategy that he's that he said he's got. And it kind of feels like this is Jack Wilshere Mark II.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm with you. The main reason why I can't see it happening. Every other thing makes sense. He, he's 30, he's injury prone, and he's on 400k a week, which just screams of David Golden Sullivan slapping 200 grand in, giving the 10 dog, and trying to sell shirts with it. But the only thing that we now have, which is a bit of a difference maker, is is exactly what you said. He just doesn't doesn't fit the Moyes bracket. I mean, even Lingard, people said that sign. is because he knows him. He knows what type of kid he is. He knows the type of Guy and the type of work ethic he has, and I think that Ramsey—not saying he doesn't have that, but he's also got that injury-prone label—and I think exactly what Moyes has been reiterating that he wants to stay away from. And I don't deny I think Ramsey's a superb player on it, on form when he's fit and firing, not even firing, just when he's fit, he offers any side he's in a lot. But what West Ham going to get out of him? A year and a half, twelve months, he's going to have the yeah. drop down from Juve to us mentality, unless he's some kind of psycho and unbelievably talented mentally and has the ability to transition going from the Juve and competing with Ronaldo's and them every day to Souffaut and the boys I, I, I just can't see it I just can't see him being a fit and I just can't see him being the type of person who's going to come in and truly maximize this opportunity like a Lingard necessarily has done and be that hunger and have that hunger to succeed I think coming back and being successful at Juventus at, It just doesn't seem right for me because he has been in around their squad. I think he's sort of looking for his last paycheck in European football before he goes to an MLS. And I really hope we're not the club to do it. Not because I don't think he'd be good, just I don't think he'd be good for long enough and and be able to really have an impact in a 38-game season because of the type of injury record he's had.
3: Yeah, it it does scream of, uh, yeah, he might be good for us. But are we going to get our money's worth out of him? Because he's... he's... (laughs) He's not going to want anything less than two hundred grand a week if he's on four hundred grand a week at Juve. and one can we even afford those wages? Um, I know uh, Lanzini's probably going to be on his way out at frees up one hundred grand, but I'd rather throw that hundred grand at Jesse Lingard, yeah, to be honest, than, than Aaron Ramsey. Um, and it, you know, it screams of a player that's going to arrive. He might have one or two impressive games, and then suddenly you know, he's injured for six months or, or a few months, and suddenly it's like, well, what's the point of that? But, yeah, it's got West Ham written all over it, even though for the last six months we've been told that this isn't the transfer. This isn't, you know, the transfer strategy that the club are going to do anymore. David Moyes wants to go into the Championship. He wants to sign young, hungry players. He wants to get a couple of gems from Czech, Czech Republic. Like he's already done. Um, you know, Slavia are going to be waiting for the phone to ring at any point yeah. in the summer, aren't they, for one or two of their players. So, Aaron Ramsey's a weird one, but... But, yeah, that's the, they're the big transfer stories at the moment, but... Um, I think it's just great to see you know, the West Ham players doing well international you know, on international duty. Hopefully, Suchek does doesn't attract too many too many suitors in the summer. Hopefully, brings that form, that hat trick form, into the game against Wolves on on Monday night and beyond. But um, next up is Betway Charity Bets. Nothing to speak about last week, but we've got the Wolves game to look up uh, to look ahead to, uh, and we can let you know what Will's uh, bottle job bet is for this week. Stay with us, Betway Bets next. So you are still listening to the We Are West End podcast with me, James Jones, and Tom Edwards. No Will this week. As I've already mentioned, he's got a job interview on Wednesday. Uh, so he said he wanted to spend the time prepping for his interview rather than and spending it with, with me and Tom on a Tuesday night, which I don't know whether to be offended or not with that, but we wish him all, all the best for his interview on Wednesday. But in the meantime, we got the Betway Charity Bets. Um, Will sent his in earlier. Um, actually, Chad said, computer said no when he sent it in. Um, so he had to redo it. We'll get round to that. But um, but yeah, obviously no bet last week. We were very, very close against Arsenal. All three of us were agonisingly close. Uh, we're still, still on about six and a half grand if you include Betway matching what we've already won for our three charities. Uh, if anyone listening doesn't know what the Betway charity bets is, uh, we've teamed up with Betway to... Raise money for three West End related charities. So I'm representing the DT38 Dylan Tom Bides Foundation. Tom is representing Iris Fight. And Will is raising money for the Bobby Moore Fund. Uh, and Betway are giving us 50 quid each every single Premier League game to to put on, you know, put a bet on anything that we think is going to happen in a, in a West End game. I think I've won a couple. Will's won a couple. Tom, you've won one or two as well. Well, you've got one. Uh, desperate for for another one to to, to draw level with everyone, but um, yeah, it's been it's been good fun. But we still think that there's a, a few good good few thousand pounds still to be raised between now and the season. I think we've got eight eight or nine games left between now and May. Um, so Tom, you want to kick us off for what you got for for the Wolves game?
1: Yeah. So this week I've gone. I, I'm not being as ambitious as I was recently, purely because I want that second win. But this week I've gone both teams to score. Lingard first goal scorer and over 8.5 corners it's it's not the most exciting bet but I just feel like I, I just fancy it to be a score draw again I, ju- I just see it being that side of game and Lingard you can't bet against him right now and if you're going to go for someone as Chad always says pick a goal scorer and I thought can't pick against him so gotta go with Lingard but fingers crossed mate because drew a second one and we, we've been so close for so many weeks in a row now it's just that uh, yeah. Getting the over the line, so things across these last eight uh, happy days.
3: Yeah, I've gone gone a similar route with Jesse. Uh, I've gone Jesse to score any time. Uh, I think just the form he's in at the moment, he's going to be in and amongst the attacks. He's going to be involved one way or another. Um, but I've gone West Ham to win two nil. I, you know, we beat them four 0 at Lana Stadium. They've not been as potent in front of goal as as mm-hmm. you know we used to them being. Uh, obviously you no know Raul Jimenez still, he's still out injured, he's out injured for the rest of the season. Um, and I've gone for under two and a half goals. Normally I go for the overs, but this time I've, I've mixed it up a little bit and gone under. Uh, I think it'll be, it'll be a tight affair with Molyneux. Uh, Jesse will get in the score sheet, but um, but yeah, it's going to be a low scoring win for the Hammers. Uh, and then Will's bet. Now he, he did go for West Ham to win. No penalty to be awarded and a goal in each half. And, um, and Chad from Betway came straight back in the WhatsApp group and said, that is going to return nothing. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be at least evens, not, probably not even that. Um, so can you change it? So I was expecting Will to come back with a really creative, a little bit like his Ogbonna one that he, he got the big 25, was it 25 to one winner, only one in the season. I thought, yeah, it's going to go big. He's got to go big. Instead, he went, just keep the rest, but change it from no penalty to be awarded to a penalty to be awarded. So... We don't know what the odds are going to be on that yet. We'll find that out sort of Thursday, Friday, and we'll tweet those out on our Twitter account when we get those in. But that's going to be three to one, probably. I can't I can't imagine that's going to be big. And I, it disappoints me. And I know Will's listening right now and he's probably sitting there. He's probably tapping tapping out a WhatsApp message to me as we speak, as he listens to this. Going, <laughs> okay, what are you talking about? But no, Will's been quite daring. He was one of the first to go for a big 20 to one shot this season. And as the season's gone on, he's got a little bit safer. He's got a little bit, I don't know, I, I, I mean, the way I see it, he's bottled it. He's bottled yeah. it. This is, the time, this is the time to go big or go big or go
1: home, isn't it? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I think it's the real reason he's not in a pub, mate. He doesn't actually have a job <laughs> interview. He just given him a telling off at this point. But, yeah, he's, he has been quite, and also tend to be, when he's gone for it, he's got either close or he's done it. So, But who am I to say, because I've got one. But, yeah, I, Fancy Will for a bit more than that. He, he talks a talk, but seldom walks the walk. So next week, let's hope he gets Craig Dawson double, one in both nets and just gets a gets a real big one out there for the boys.
3: That's it. That's it, yeah. I mean, to be fair, though, he has won the most yeah. money for his charity out of the three of us. So, um, so it has worked for him this season, but just
1: wanted a bit more Will. Um,
3: annoying that isn't it it's annoying that he's won the most yeah it's very annoying because we're we're, we're trying to go big every week and he's just playing it safe and just nicking the little ones but but yeah no I mean he has one is done we've all done a really really good job for charity so far and so that's that's Wolves Bets uh, out of the way Uh, if you want to back those bets you can you you can do that as well if you go to the Betway app or website find the fixture Monday night uh, Wolves v West Ham go over to the um bet your way section underneath our fixture scroll down and you can find our bets we'll have all our, our individual names and we West Ham podcast next to those bet selections so you can join us uh and whack a few quid on um i, I do it every week I, I back my own bet every week and obviously i've lost a lot of money um <laughs> along the season but i have obviously raised some money as well for charity so you win some you lose some in the end but so that's Betway this week. Um, but stay with us because we've got Matt from the Wolves fan cast to preview Monday night's game at Molyneux next. You are listening to the We Are West End podcast with me, James Jones and Tom Edwards. No will this week, as you know, uh, but for the opposition view this week, we're joined by Matt from the Wolves. Fan cast. Obviously, Wolves kind of swap places with West Ham this season obviously, on the back of, what, two seventh-place finishes. I mean, us sort of struggling against relegation for a couple of seasons, but, you know, the table seems to have turned between us and Wolves. Um, See a thumping win at London Stadium earlier this season. Uh, 4-0, an unexpected victory. But, Matt, thanks for joining us. Um Welcome, guys. Hello. The season's not really gone as planned, is it? Obviously, on the back of two really... Really strong seasons, and then mm-hmm. quite a lot of quite a lot of business in the summer, um, and then obviously the injury to to, to Jimenez. But um, not really what you were expecting,
0: was it? Not really. I mean, we had kind of been spoilt up to this point in this Premier League uh, campaigns. The, the ones you know prior to this season have been an absolute dream. You know, getting into Europe, going far in that competition, some real highs, a double against City. You know, you dream of this kind of stuff as you come up, but no, this season hasn't gone quite as expected. Um, you mentioned recruitment; we've spent money, but it hasn't been in necessarily the right areas. You'd be surprised at how many players are still playing in our eleven that we had in the championship. Mm-hmm. Um, and at this level, if you don't, you know, adapt or die, isn't it? If you don't improve in the key areas, you will slip down the table.
1: Matt, what? How the Jimenez injury is obviously front page news for a while, and rightly so. I mean, everyone from us forever is is wish the best for him, and I can't wait to see him back out personally. But how much do you think that affected your season? Because he is the main man. Let's get it. He is the go to man. He's the one who gets your goals. How much do you think not only his injury but the manner of the injury? affected your squad going forward because you had a bit of a tough run after that if I'm not wrong
0: yeah I mean I mean, it affected us massively and, and it's done it in a, in a few reasons one he's our head and shoulders our main goal scoring threat and a huge percentage of our goals came through him there's one well two he's very much the focal point in an attack in, a, in like a target man kind of role yeah So then you start playing players like Pedro Neto, like Adama Troiore, fantastic, quick, technically skillful players. Um, They're not out-and-out goal scorers. They're chance creators. And we've really struggled by not having that one focal point at the front of the pitch to be able to put those chances away. uh, And that's where we've really struggled. So it's kind of twofold for us, really. Um, William Jose, we've brought in, hasn't really fit the criteria of what we needed so far and then we never would have dreamt about putting in a kid like Fabio Silva, price tag or not. He was never expected to be playing as many games as he had at this stage of his career.
3: Matt, one one other player that you've had um, a lot of attacking attacking threat from over the last couple of years is Adam Traore. Mm-hmm. Uh, another player that's sort of really struggled this season to to produce the the threat and the numbers that he has done and that we're kind of almost used to seeing him provide well what's been the story there is it just you know did he, is it just the case of you know he had one or one and a half strong seasons and then kind of you know was he was he overperforming or is it this season he's just struggled
0: it's a tough one because he's he's never really staked a claim in a team long enough for for success i mean he's you know he has dotted around clubs and i think he's yet to find His style of play that, you know, I used the phrase on the podcast before in the more heated discussions when I say a broken clock is right twice a day. You can, you know, (laughs) if you just run at people, you will get past them eventually. And, you know, you will get that ball in and, you know, it'll be great. But he's just, it's not for want of trying. There's nothing wrong with his effort. There's nothing wrong with his determination. But sometimes his decision making has, you know, he zigged when he should have zagged. I don't think, again, not having someone like Jimenez up front for him to have a target to play at um, hasn't helped his game at all because when Jimenez was in the squad, Troyore played much better because he's got a target man to get the ball to. With Fabio Silva, he's not that man. William Jose looks lost at sea at times.
1: Matt, looking ahead, as much as it's not been a season you envisaged and a season that your squad potentially could have achieved, you still got Fulham, Sheffield United, Burnley, and Fulham to play. Is there any chance that you might have a sniff infiltrating the top ten or top eight potentially because of how tight it all is? What What are you looking for from the next nine to ten games now? What What sort of do you want from the Wolves boys? I mean, if we take if we take your game out of consideration, which for the
0: majority of us we are doing, not as a free hit, but taking that realistically out of the equation, out of those teams you've mentioned. You've got to be looking at at least nine points, at least nine. I mean, there'd be something wrong with us if by that point we can't get a result away from Sheffield United. And the, the I mean, it was rabid when we lost to Albion the first time round. If that happens again, it won't be worth, yeah. <laughs> it won't be worth doing a podcast. To be fair, um, I'd be looking at nine points. We've got to be aiming for at least that to get, you know, just get us over the line with a bit of um, a bit of momentum. I mean, this break we've had now is as long, I think, as the pre-season that we had going into this season um, with with our previous campaign. So it would just be great to get to a, get to a pre-season. To be honest, I know that sounds defeatist and a little bit, you know, resigned, but it's one of those things. <laughs>
3: Yeah, looking ahead to, to, to Monday's game then, Matt. Um, see, I, I've already mentioned the, the the result at London Stadium earlier this season, which I think shocked both sets of fans, mm-hmm. and probably both <laughs> sets of players yeah. as well. Um, given the fact that we up until that point, we, we'd struggled to, we hadn't even scored against you since you returned to the Premier League up to that point, and then we banged four in in one game. Um, with that in mind, and given the form that we've been in, um, and we're, don't get me wrong, we're still surprised at how well we've done this season. Okay. Um, how, how do you see this game going?
0: I mean, it's not what I'm looking forward to. Truth be told, um, I've been really, really impressed with the way you guys have been playing this season. You know, and it's not, it's not a fluke. You know, you've got some really excellent players in that squad Sue I mean, I've been following Antonio since he's been at Forest because my friend being a Forest fan who's always rated him anyway. Um, Bowen who was fantastic when he played in the in the first fixture. You know, you've got some really great players there. And I think I don't want to insult you by saying that you're saying underperforming over the last few seasons. But I think we're starting to see what West Ham should be producing with the players you've got. And a manager, like him or lump him, is in that upper, you know, at least top half of the table consistently with the teams that he's with. So I'm not surprised where you guys are from a positional point of view. I think it'll be tough for us. But I think the break came at a really good time for us to be able to kind of bed in some of the ideas. I wouldn't be surprised if we drew, but I also wouldn't be surprised if we took a in at the same time. What
3: what sort of wolves can can West Ham expect to to come up against? Is is it going to be typical typical Nuno's wolves, or is it going to be given yeah. the fact that you've had a couple of weeks couple of weeks
0: break? I think I think Nuno Ball as we know it. Um, not a lot of chances created for either side. I mean, depending on who you speak to, he's not, you know, in some circles known as the Portuguese Pulis. It, the, yeah. the, it, it's not as attractive football as it could be on times. I think it will be an organized performance for, for, from us in which we don't make many errors. A lot of our goals we've conceded have been unforced errors. You know, it's not, it's not for want of amazing trickery or, or, or superb technique. It's, it's, we're, uh, our own downfall a lot of the times and I don't expect us to create a lot of chances we, we're really quite low on the expected goals tally um, but the chances that we do create we tend to score I think it'll be a, I don't think it'll be one for an end of season DVD put it that way
3: <laughs> OK well I'm going to put you on the spot here um, let's have a score prediction ahead of ahead of Monday night's game at Molineux
0: I'm going to go a hopeful uh, score draw 1-1 with a willy-bolly header to uh, even it up nice as he's nice. just scored. To that. Nice.
3: I think I think you're the first opposition view guest that's come on for a long time that's not predicted their team to win and instead <laughs> just gone gone almost sat on the fence a little bit. So, so yeah, I, I mean, I, I'd be quite happy with the point. Tom, what do you think?
1: Sadly, I said it earlier. I think, I think we might draw. I think we've always struggled. Oh, we have got a history of struggling. At. I think it might be... Uh... Two I'll go a little bit more ambitious, but I think two. I, I I do think they're a good side, and they've shown a little bit less than they have to, have got this season. So two all.
3: I mean, I, I I say I'd be happy with the point, but I think it's it's so important that we can keep our momentum up for for our chase for the top six. Um, and so and I'm going to kind of follow with my betway bet as well. I'm going to go for a one nil West Ham win. Um, incredibly unlikely given our our defenders keeps going on goals at the moment, but. Um, I, I do fancy a one nil win. So, Matt, thanks so much for joining us this week. No problem. And uh, good luck to Wolves for the rest of the season, beyond Monday night, obviously. Of course. You too, um, guys.
0: Thanks a lot for having me.
3: But but stay with us, guys, because next up we've got Catherine back to talk everything West Ham women. So that was Matt from Wolves Fancast for the Opposition View ahead of Monday night's game against Wolves at Modern U. Uh straight into another guest, uh, friend of the show, Catherine Bat, now sport journalist, uh, to talk about I think West Ham women have a historic game at the weekend. Uh, although it didn't really go to plan at Old Trafford against Man United. Uh, Catherine, before we get on to West Ham, um, firstly, thanks for joining us. Um, I wanted to ask you about Rebecca Welch. Today, it has been announced that um first female referee to be appointed to an EFL match. Uh, I know it's not women's football related or um West Ham women related, but it's kind of a a huge step towards sort of women women in sport and it's a huge huge decision to to give a female referee a, a men's football match to to, to to sort of um to officiate. I am just wondering sort of what are your thoughts on that. Um see given that you know, this it's a monumental decision. Uh, It's one that we've been kind of waiting for um, and kind of expecting for a while now, but um, it kind of caught a few people off guard, I think.
2: Yeah, well, it's it's obviously really positive. Um, I've, she's refereed quite a few games in in the Women's Super League, and I think she did the FA Cup final uh, in November. Um, so I mean, yeah, it's it's just great to see. I mean, it shows that there's a pathway for for female referees that are looking to get into the game. And I think she says she only started she only started out eleven years ago as well. So um, she's done pretty well to to get to that level in in that short space of time. And hopefully she can sort of work her way through the divisions and um, I saw she was saying as well that you know maybe 10 to 15 years maybe even sooner we might see um, a female referee in in the Premier League um, if certainly not the championship I think a few years ago maybe I think 2010 there was um, a female referee who briefly had to step in for for um, for the main referee um, who'd got injured. So I think she did 15 minutes um, back in 2010, but obviously Rebecca's the first one to actually be appointed for for a football league game. Um, and hopefully she does well, and and hopefully it sort of you know we see more women come into refereeing and and hopefully progress throughout the divisions. Do
3: you think that before we move on to West Ham Women, do you think that this is this is kind of we're beginning to see the the beginning of? I mean, it might be too soon to say, say the end, unfortunately, the beginning of, you know, uh, sort of the stigma around sort of sexism in football and obviously the, in- the sort of inclusion uh, and that, you know, it should... The, the women's game and the men's game you know, aren't too dissimilar. Uh, and, you know, I've looked at the replies under the, the Sky Sports tweet announcing the, you know, the decision um, for Rebecca's sort of taking that game and it was almost predictable, um, which is quite, quite sad, really. Uh, but do you think we're beginning to see, you know, the beginning of, you know far more positive change and a more positive outlook amongst fans in general, rather than sort of just, you know, just, just male fans?
2: Um, Hopefully. I mean, you know, there's, she's been appointed on merit. Um, You yeah. know, I think it, as they announced, I think it was Mike Riley, the referee's chief had been assessing her performances and ultimately she wouldn't have got the gig if, if she wasn't ready and hadn't, hadn't done well enough um, to get it. But you're always going to get people, unfortunately, that say it's, it's a tick box exercise, as they say, with with a lot of stuff, with with women's sport coverage in general. Um, like you say, I mean, while the standards in football between men and women are different, the rules are the same. So yeah. it, when it comes down to officiating, we've seen Sian Massey in the Premier League, and, and I think she's one of the best assistant referees, regardless of gender, in, in the top flight. You, you rarely see her... Uh, get stuff wrong, and I think um, I remember something early in the season. I think it was Leicester, Chelsea, and she gave an offside, and it was really, really close. But she got the decision right; didn't right. need to use VAR. Um, yeah. And I, I think she's obviously one of the the role models for for female officials. But unfortunately, yeah you are always going to get um, these types of, of stereotypical comments coming through, and and I'm sure she's probably prepared for for that as well. Um, referees get a lot of abuse in general so um unfortunately for for women in sport it's always associated with gender if she makes a mistake it'll be she's made a mistake because she's a woman not because you know she she was because of kind of play or whatever yeah she you know it's because she's a woman but hopefully um like I say hopefully she does well and um yeah I'm, I'm sure she'll be prepared with thick skin as as most referees are
3: I yeah, no, completely agree. Definitely be be keeping an eye for, for Harrogate Town versus Port Vale. I don't think we've ever ever said that in our lifetime, unless you're a Harrogate or Port Vale fan, but definitely going to keep a close eye on that. And you know, all the best to, to Rebecca for, for that game at the weekend. But moving on to West Ham Women, um, much of the same really. It's it's been it's been a long, tough, hard season for 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 for, for the West Ham Women team. But historic game at the weekend. Obviously, the first. Weston, uh, first women's game to be held at Old Trafford. The the outcome was kind of predictable. Uh, goals from Lauren James and, and Kristen Press for, for Man United sealed a 2-0 win. Uh, it leaves West Ham at the bottom of the league still um, and a real, although it's only a point between themselves and Aston Villa, it's a real mountain to climb um, given the some of the fix they got left, although it is still in their hands. But uh, how did how did the game go at the weekend? I mean, I, I haven't been able to see it, but I wasn't able to watch it the weekend. But... I think a lot of fans were perhaps expecting a, a bigger defeat to, to just 2-0, given the form that the, both both sides are in. So, um, I mean, was it, uh, are there signs there that Oddie Harder's team are beginning to find some kind of um, confidence and form?
2: First half, they were good, um, but Man United weren't very good. So, um, you can say that's down to West Ham limiting their chances. I think United only managed one shot on target in the first half, and that was just a straightforward long, long range shot, which um, didn't didn't cause Courtney Brosnan any any problems. Um, and Man United hadn't been in the best of form going into the game; they'd they'd only won one from four, um, so they really needed to win. And I think they were maybe a little bit nervous playing at Old Trafford, and, and they were sort of below par um, in the first half. But but West Ham played well; they, they defended well, they stuck to the game plan, and then most frustrating thing, straight after half-time, concede from a set piece. It was just sort of um, undoes all the hard work and then puts you up against it straight away. And um, obviously they then conceded a second not long after. I think if they'd held on for, at 1-0 for a little bit, they maybe could have then sort of thrown you know thrown bodies forward 75 minutes um, into the game. But once you go 2-0 down, it's always a, a mountain to climb, especially when the team aren't scoring many goals as it is, and then obviously went down to 10 players um, just before the end as well, which didn't help. But, um, it, yeah, it's it's a tough period for them. Um, I think the, the positive thing is not many teams at the bottom are picking up three points at the minute. You see Bristol obviously go ahead against Birmingham um, on Sunday, but, but let the lead slip, which is something they do quite a lot. Um, but Bristol have a goal scorer, uh, whereas I'm not sure West Ham
1: do at the minute Catherine in the next five games West Ham have Reading and then we play Aston Villa twice with the side directly above us as much as that is a good thing does it not put extra pressure on the game because if Villa were to pick up a point or were, were to get a win then then it's sort of unassailable for us at, at a certain, what type of pressure and how do you think that Oli Harder the girls who actually deal with this considering they're still yet to get that win under Ollie. So what do you make of their running? Do you, do you make us favourites to, to get the job done because it is in our hands or, or do you think it could actually play against us and we might be giving Villa points in the long run?
2: Well, I think, um, I think firstly, it's good that you've got to play Aston Villa twice um, as as well. Obviously Aston Villa in the first season in, in the top flight was West Ham. have had a few years there. They've got some experienced players in the squad, which, which hopefully will play into their hands. Um Aston Villa have been doing a little bit better in terms of they've they've picked up, you know, a few more wins here and there, but they're still at the last few games, obviously, I think they've they've lost quite comfortably. So uh they're a bit of a funny team, Aston Villa. You're never quite sure what, what you're gonna get from them. Um it's it's gonna be tricky, I think. I think it's gonna go down possibly to the last few games. And I I remember saying I think last time I was on for, for West Ham. You do not want to be going into the last day of the season needing to get a win or or, or a point because obviously it's Manchester City and unless un- unless their title hopes have already gone if they've if they lose to Chelsea or if they only draw um, and maybe the they've got other stuff coming up there where they maybe take the foot off the gas in the final game but even so they've got they've got quality kind of throughout and you probably wouldn't fancy um, West Ham's chances of, of getting much on the final day so you need to kind of be going into that game not bottom and um, hoping sort of maybe the other teams around you drop points as well but that, like I say, those two games against Aston Villa are going to be crucial and I think the important thing is to make sure you don't lose the first one because that that gives Aston Villa confidence if you can just make sure you at least draw, but I think realistically you've got you've got to be going in to get three points from that one.
3: Yeah, I think uh, before those two those two big Villa games, um, obviously Reading this weekend, and uh, in between those games is Everton, uh, tough a tough game against Everton. But the Reading one this weekend, uh, Reading kind of struggling for form a little bit, only one win in the last five. Um, that one stands out for me as as probably more must-win than it should do, given the fact that there's two Villa games to come. I mean, how, how big is Saturday's game against Reading?
2: Again, Reading, another team where you're not quite sure what you're going to get from them. One weekly beat Manchester United uh, 2-0, and the next they lose to Bristol, and then, um, you know, they, they, they drop points again. So... They're they're a are funny team. They they held Manchester City to to nil nil until the eighty seventh minute at the weekend, and it and it took a bit of brilliance from Lauren Hemp to to create a goal for for Chloe Kelly. So, they are a hard team to beat. But um, I think that game probably suited them in a style of they they probably set up to defend. Whereas I'm not sh- quite sure what their game plan will be with West Ham. Whether they'll kind of take the game to you, and uh, you know whether whether you'll kind of set up to to sort of frustrate them and maybe look to, to get a goal on the break or, or whether, you know, Reading will kind of, you know, let let West Ham dictate the play. It, you know, I'm not quite sure how it'll go, but I think, yeah, you, you see how Bristol beat, beat Reading. I think you're looking at that game and thinking it's it's definitely one you need to take points from, but it's, it's a big chance to get the first win in, under Oli Harder. And once once you do that, once you get the first win, the the confidence will will definitely go up.
1: Catherine, is there extra importance and expectation now with the whole TV deal, which is monumental brilliant for the game and brilliant for the sport, but does that put more pressure on West Ham and everything else? Because obviously it's going to become more lucrative and rightly so, the game's going to grow. So there's an extra pressure for West Ham to get this right, not only because of where we'll play our football next season, because of what Jack Sullivan and the way West Ham... The ownership will look at the women's side if we're in the WSL or if we're not.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, since since West Ham sort of launched the the women's team, they've always struck me as being, you know, an, an ambitious club. And I think when Oli Harder came, obviously the 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 aim was to to first um, secure you know top flight football for another season. But he was kind of talking about you know pushing pushing into to, with those top five, top four teams. Um, but you need to be in the top division to be able to do that. And and obviously the money that, that's coming in, while championship clubs will get some of it, you know, primarily it's going to be those teams in, in the WSL that, that get the chunk of it. And I think um, it's based on so the teams that finish higher up will, will receive more as well. So there is an incentive and there's there's going to be more coverage probably of, um, of the top flight than there is of the championship. And as well, if you do get relegated, I think Liverpool going down is, has shown it's not easy to come straight back up. It's a it's a very competitive league with with more teams turning professional, and sometimes the team that goes down they've you know they're, they're on a downer the next season because of you know suffering relegation before, and of course you may lose players um, who who want to go and play in the top flight. You know some of the best the better players at West Ham will be thinking they they want to be part of of you know that the WSL next season with. Like you say, the the exciting uh, TV deal that that we've seen.
3: So I'm gonna put you on a spot a little bit here, Catherine. And honestly, do you think West Ham Women have half what it takes to, to stay in the WSL this season? Will they stay up?
2: I think they do. I think they do. Um, it's like I say. It's just it's just about get getting that win, and I think. It's, this game at the weekend is is going to be key. Um, I still I still have faith in in Martha Thomas. I, I, before the game, Casey Stoney was talking her up. She, I, on, on Saturday, she was just isolated. She had no support. Um, no one really getting close enough to her. And and she looked frustrated. And then 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 she got taken off, which I thought was quite strange. When you need you know you need two goals and you take your main striker off. Um, she just needs to to get one in the back of there, A, a one nil win against dreading and, and suddenly it changes like that. Um, I think Bristol are also in a good position to stay up, just on, on the on the fact that they've they've got a little bit of momentum and they've got a goal scorer in Ebony Salmon. Um, I think Aston Villa could be could be vulnerable, um, just because again of that experience um, in the squad and and that that they perhaps maybe lack, whereas uh, West Ham have got. Got that experience in the playing squad, maybe not so much in in the managerial sense like like Bristol have, but um, there's definitely enough in the West Ham squad to stay up. There's there's some really talented players in there. It's just about getting that first win and and building on it.
3: Yeah, fingers crossed uh, they can get a result against Reading away, Saturday, third of April, two p.m. kick off. Hopefully, Oli hardest team can can kick start. Uh, a great escape between now and the end of the season. But th- thanks so much, Catherine, for joining us this week. Uh, ho- hopefully, we, I'm sure we will get you on between now and the end of the season. Hopefully, by then, our, our, then we can actually talk about positive performance and a positive result.
2: <laughs> hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, I feel like since I've come on, I've not brought very much luck. So hopefully next time we'll yeah. talking about a win.
3: It's coming. Definitely is coming. (laughs) Got to keep keep the faith. But thanks very much for joining us, Catherine. And uh, stay with us because next up we've got uh, wrapping up final thoughts and um, Tom will be rating my presenting skills for this week. So that was Catherine Bat t- talking about all things West Ham women, and it's getting a little bit, a pre- little bit precarious for Ollie Harder's team. Um, but it is all still in their hands going into the final few games of the season? But that's pretty much it for this week. Uh, I hope I've done first. First of all, will proud because you know I want to make sure that you know the the real presenter of the podcast is, uh, is happy with my presenting skills this week. But obviously, you proud and 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 even the listeners proud uh, of my presenting skills this week, Tom. But what are your thoughts, mate? Did I, did I do a good enough, job,
1: Mate, absolutely. You stood up. It's a tough gig to step into because we all know how big uh, and wide Will's mouth is. But yeah, quality, mate. <laughs> I'll tell you what, we also shaved off about two hours of running time behind the scenes work with Will's uh, headphones and all that. So it's gone swimmingly, mate. Absolutely loved it. And yeah, it's been a good show continuing international week. We've lot to talk about West Ham's never that though and yeah mate you, you've done a stellar job so uh I'm firm. I'm firmly third in line and I'm very happy that way because it, it's not a job it's uh too easy to step into. So well in mate. Thanks mate. No, I mean it has been that's been difficult and I got I got what
3: just under 24 hours notice. He phoned me late last night and said oh by the way mate this is situation <laughs> do you mind and I thought oh cheers mate yeah nice one um, and I mean, as people can see that those that are watching on, on YouTube, I'm sitting in my I converted my coat cupboard into into an office stroke studio. And it's like an oven in here at the moment. So I'm dripping um, okay. so hot, but I've enjoyed it. Um, maybe maybe this is it for Will. Maybe you know, That's it. maybe the, the he's been dethroned. Perhaps if, if any of our listeners think that that should be the case moving forward, please do tweet. Tweet us at we are underscore West Ham and tweet Will as well and let him know. Just just let him know that you know his his presenting job is is under under real threat from James Jones moving forward. But it's been a good show, plenty to talk about. The, you know, despite the fact that we didn't play last week, it was the international break. The West Ham players absolutely smashing it on the international stage. Um, you know, we have, the club has a good history of that. Uh, any final thoughts, Tom, uh, on the international break and obviously moving ahead and so looking ahead to to Wolves on Monday night?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's honestly been a privilege seeing West Ham players succeed at the highest level. I think it's another one of those checks in the checklist to realise we hey we've got a serious team here with some serious players who aren't just going to pretend at international level and be decent for West Ham and be a Stoke overperforming. We're a good side with serious seriously talented players who I'm sure of it. This Euros will, will set the Set Europe on fire again, check and guarantee we'll have a superb tournament, and people will be talking about him after. Same with Sufao, same with Rice, and same with Lingard. Touchwood that he's a West Ham player come the summer, but looking forward to that. Looking forward to Monday night, as, as always. West Ham this year is actually quite enjoyable to watch until you actually start winning and realize, crap, we actually might go forth and start hiding yourself because because the nerves coming. But yeah, looking forward to that. Looking forward, believe it or not, to seeing Will again next week, but. We're still fifth and, and there's still so much to hope for, so I can't really believe it. And and as long as we keep plugging away and keep us in the hunt until the 36 37th game, I'll be a very happy man. So long may it continue and thank God it's back. Uh,
3: I, I completely agree. Thank God it's back. Um, Looking forward to to, to Monday's game and I think this is it now. Uh, the next few months are massive for West Ham United. Absolutely huge. It kind of almost what happens between now and the middle, what, the end of May could could define what where West Ham go in the in the near future in terms of, you know, are we just going to become a mid table club um or are we going to go backwards? Or is this is this finally the beginning of what West Ham fans were promised? Uh, and a nice a nice period of us actually challenging for challenging for, for something meaningful rather than, you know, can we make sure we finish eleventh rather than twelfth this season or can we make sure, you know, we're seventeenth rather than eighteenth. So a lot to happen. And obviously we've got Euros in the summer. Chance to watch our boys Jesse Lingard uh, and Declan Rice for the free lines smashing it at the Euros, uh, and hopefully we'll be able to be watching that in, in the pub if um, Boris behaves himself and and, and makes sure that he sticks to his word as well. Um, but that's been the West Stand podcast this week, hosted by me for for a change. Uh, next week we will we'll be back. Uh, Tom will 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 be with us as always um but before we go make sure you are following us on twitter at we are underscore west ham. if you are listening on itunes youtube wherever you get the podcast we would really appreciate if you did leave us a review five star review say some nice words we, we often read out the, the the good reviews as well the nice reviews and even if you send a bad one we'll probably read it out as well because it's, it's it'd be a laugh we're also on youtube make sure you subscribe on that uh and comment um you know we, Release all the different sections in, in individual videos on, on YouTube. So, uh, any subscribes, any likes, any comments on there, much appreciated. And um, I think that's pretty much it for for the wrap up. I don't think I've missed anything, ever, time.
1: No, no, right. again, bulletproof.
3: Seen this? Yeah. I'm getting good at this. I'm getting good at this. Yeah. Okay, well that's it. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, look forward to seeing you next week. Um, stay tuned. Uh, what's the next one? Coming, you on the West.
1: And we'll see you next week. That's him.
2: (laughs) Sports Social Podcast Network.